Hi, welcome to Souls and Hearts, Be With the Word. And this is our weekly podcast where we reflect on the Sunday readings coming up uh, from a psychological perspective. Uh, we explore the spiritual elements, but um, Dr. Peter and I look at psychological elements and we look at how these readings can maybe have a bigger impact on your life. And I'm Dr. Jerry Crete. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm Dr. Peter Malinowski, clinical psychologist in Indianapolis, Indiana. It is good to be with you. Oh, and before we say that, before we do anything more, uh, if you haven't already listened to Hear the Word, that's our companion podcast. If you haven't read the readings already or you want to listen to them, we read them to you in Hear the Word. And then you can come back here and you might get more out of it. But even if you haven't, we hope you'll still get a lot out of our. uh, discussion today so dr yep. peter how are you i'm doing well they, they hear the word thing we're actually getting pretty good at that you know there are some people that just like us like us reading the reading the uh, the scripture to you guys so <laughs> no, i'm doing well it's it's beautiful out it's the spring all kinds of things happening uh with the gardens with the with the pastures with the animals so it's uh pretty exciting got the baby chicks growing up so there's just uh a whole lot of beautiful stuff happening here. It's a, it's one of my favorite times of the year. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, how's it, how's, what's it? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jerry. No, it's going to be at your place at this time of year. Must be wonderful. I, I, yeah. I'm kind of envious to see all the life kind of burgeoning and everything going on. Yeah, we're coming out of this. We're coming out of this. Uh, coming out of the winter, and the days are getting warmer. We're doing a lot more planting, so it's pretty exciting. We've got probably about. 300 plants going in the greenhouse of various kinds right now. So, um, wow. yeah, we'll be starting to transplant pretty soon. I already have started with some things, so it's pretty great. It's pretty great. Now, cool. I'm curious about how you're doing, too. I mean, you're down in Atlanta, so you guys are ahead of us as far as the spring coming. It's probably starting to get hot oh. down there. <laughs> it's starting to get kind of warm. So now in the afternoons, it's in the 80s. So, Ooh. wow. Uh, it's a bit warm. Um, I'm thrilled because, uh, you know, you might have been mentioned before, I attend a Byzantine Catholic church and right. it allowed us to have mass yesterday. Now, what? Really? It, yeah. Oh, um, it was outside. And so we, you know, he did the, every, he had a canopy, you know, covering where he, um, over the elements, over the altar. And we were all outside in lawn chairs spread out. So right. We, he was extremely careful. He wore you know, distributing communion, everything had a mask on and gloves, and everything was done to be very careful. Um, and of course, anybody that didn't feel comfortable going out didn't have right. to. It wasn't right. an obligation. It was just something they offered. And it was so nice. It was so beautiful. And the liturgy was beautiful. And it's not the same, it's so much better than watching it. <laughs> yeah i don't know about y'all but i i cannot bear to watch the mass on the screen i don't actually do that so but what a gift what a gift to be able to to go we're still all locked down here in indiana and will be for the yeah. next few weeks but for the foreseeable future but that's a beautiful thing i heard that georgia was starting to open up a little bit so yeah what? Not our archdiocese. The Atlanta archdiocese has said not until the end of May. Oh, but really? Because our Byzantine church is within a separate eparchy. Mm. Our bishop is manages the eparchy, which is like kind of like the whole southeast, okay. and he's allowed 
with serious limitations. So we, you know, we, we have to be, um, you know, respecting all kinds of certain rules um, when we're there. Uh, and, it, and I think that's why he went with outside also. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and even the papers, like the, the readings, like um, all the songs and everything, they handed out paper. You went to pick up papers. They didn't hand it out. Right. And you kept them. You're not supposed right. to, you know, and you had to bring your own book. If you wanted to do the lit- follow the liturgy in the book, you had to bring your own or else, you know, nobody was allowed in the actual church, this kind of thing. So there was a lot of restrictions, but I, I really, really thrilled that they were able to be creative and find a, a safe way for us to be able to celebrate the liturgy in person. Right. right. Yeah. Right. We really need that creativity. We really need that creativity to find ways to bring the sacraments to the people that honor the uh, civil uh, requirements, the civil guidelines, um, but also, you know, are creative and allow people to be nourished by the sacraments. You know, so that's what I'm really looking for from from our from our leadership is are there ways and what are those ways? So that um, so that we aren't uh, unnecessarily cut off from the from the sacraments and that preserve human health because they certainly understand the prudential elements that the bishops are trying to get at. Um, but yeah, I mean that there's real deprivation, you know, when we don't have access to the sacraments. So I'm I'm actually a little bit jealous here, Jerry. I got to tell you that uh, you know, so, so it's like, like 154 bucks to fly down to Georgia, man. Yeah, for you. Well, you can me but <laughs> right no, I, right i and to be fair to our archdiocese like our archdiocese has millions of people right and it's a much bigger prospect than our little church like our church is small enough and we've got this giant property so mm-hmm. we could be all spread out in uh on lawn chairs um and i don't know that that's possible it, right. and, you know and i know that our archbishop is concerned about elderly priests too mm-hmm. um you know and elderly congregants so right it's a hard it's a i i just i'm just grateful but i recognize that it's a hard and difficult thing to know what the right thing to do is but right. hey listen i'm doing really well i'm adjusting well to living le- the life of a hobbit uh, <laughs> fine. and i had oh and i had a great interview with matt frad i think you that uh, was great yes yes a lot of people have heard that and you know have started to like really Come aware of souls and hearts. So that's brilliant. That was great. I watched the beginning of it. I was not able to make it through the full three hours, Jerry. But um, but it was it, well, what I saw was really God, good. <laughs> yeah, no, I was really excited. <laughs> when actually, goes so we were both there receiving right. Eucharist yesterday, and oh wow! Uh, so we live in town, and and uh, and we're we're good friends, and um. You know, but it was it's different doing the show, and I was really happy because I'm nervous. You know, being this therapist right. and I'm doing the show every week now, but I right. still have to get over my interest and and I have right. to like you know. And I felt like he made me feel comfortable enough that what I really wanted to say, I was able to say. Yeah. So um, I, I feel good about that. So I'm having a, a good week, and welcome to anybody that has come to be with the word. Uh, to our show uh, after having listened to me on Matt Frad's show. Yep. Welcome. We hope you enjoy your stuff and stay with us. Well, so we, we need to get into it. Um, these yes. readings were kind of interesting. Um, when I was reading through the first reading, well, the gospel reading, I should say, right? And the gospel reading was Jesus saying, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. 
And that's so interesting. Um, and he goes on to say, I'll ask the Father and he will send you the advocate, which you know we, we learn as we're reading is the Holy Spirit, who will be with us always, the spirit of truth. And um, I, I know that for a lot of people, this is, this is powerful, but it's also and, and encouraging in a certain way, but also could be discouraging because I think we run into this little problem. We love God. If we love God and in our hearts, we do want to serve him. But when I, some of us will hear, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And in that here, uh, I fail all the time. Right. Right. You know, so maybe I don't really love him. Right. Maybe I'm not really a child of God. Maybe I'm not really worth anything. Right. And it send us, could all, for some people, it could send, could send you into a bad place um of worry and so on and i wanted to read okay this little bit this is the book it's actually melkite because that's ruthenians don't have apparently have a good enough one but it's an eastern christian prayer and it's in almost any eastern christian prayer book and i just want to real really quickly read this little prayer that i say every single morning and evening oh heavenly king comforter spirit of truth present in all places and filling all things the treasury of blessings and the giver of life come and dwell in us, cleanse us of all stain and save our souls. Oh, good one. And I love that prayer. And I love it because it says, and the translation is different in a few different places. Sometimes it says, Oh, heavenly King. And then it says consoler or comforter, but it's speaking to the Holy spirit here. It's speaking to this passage in John when he says, I will send you my advocate. And and I think that that's the the problem we have is like, on one hand, we're immediately going, well, I don't live out the commandments fully. Like who does? We're always in need of <laughs> repentance and going to confession. <laughs> we're always being sanctified, right? But I think for, for most of us, this is a journey that we're moving toward when we are trying to live by God's commandments and we're working toward it. And we're in a way, as I'm going to describe a little bit later, fighting for that. Then all of a sudden we realize he, he is talking to us here. We're not excluded from this because we're not perfect yet. Right. So you're saying the shame or the guilt could be either get in the way when some people read this. They, they get they get they get to say, look, I'm not adequate. I'm not measuring up. Look at all the ways I fail, you know. And then there can be this tendency to want to withdraw from the whole relationship. Right, right. Oh yeah, I think a lot of people will just feel judged by that. Well, I can't live up to all the commandments, so forget it. Which right. is which is kind of hopelessness and, and like you say, giving up. So what I think is interesting and difficult is that this is this question of obedience. But really what we're hearing, I think, in this passage in, in the Gospel of John is he's saying, um, if you love me, you'll do my commandments. You will be obedient to me. But I think for most of us, especially maybe American, North Americans, right, is we we have such a sense of liberty, uh, just maybe a little bit of a misguided in some ways sense of liberty that we immediately balk at the idea of obedience. Mm. We think yeah. that to ourselves, well, if I have to be obedient to some power, then I don't have freedom, right? And I and I think that can get in the way too, right? I think we need to reclaim the word obedience because if we see God as a loving God who loves us and wants our good, 
then being obedient to him is not in, in conflict with our freedom. Being obedient actually helps us to be actually more free to love and be more free to be who God created us to be. And when we're disobedient, we're less of ourselves and we are less able to choose good. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think a lot of people have really complicated relationships with obedience because of experiences where obedience was demanded, um, mm. but not by benevolent authorities or by authorities who weren't always benevolent, who were pretty flawed and who didn't realize it. So I think it, I think, you know, whatever the one's experience of obedience is, it's not just a cultural thing. It's not just a North American thing. I think it's also a really personal thing. How did honor thy father and mother get interpreted, you know, when you were growing up and was, was that used as a club to beat you with, or was that used in a really, in a way to gently and kindly you know, form you, right? And frankly, as a parent, you know, sometimes we have bad moments. We have moments where, you know, we 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 want obedience because we just want the noise to stop, or we just want the fighting to stop, or we just want the kids to be quiet in the car, or whatever it is, right? And so that has an impact, though, right? Uh, when when kids are, you know, in these really malleable stages especially before the age of seven, when some of these ideas are just getting locked in, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I love that you said that. And actually that relates to first Peter, the reading in first Peter, he, he, um, he's telling us how to evangelize. Right. right. And he's, two words, two words there. You used them. You used two of the, several of the words. You said gentle and reverence. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah you have to be reasonable and intelligent. He does. <laughs> which is cool. You know, right. you have to know what the heck you're talking about and you have right. to be able to articulate it, but be do it with gentleness and reverence. And the reverence to me is having a tone of love. Right. So even if you're, even if it's reproving, you are doing it with a tone of love or even if you're challenging. Right. right? So he's talking about giving explanations to people about the faith with reverence and you could look at that as reverence to God, but in the context, it sounds like reverencing the person too. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's a an honoring or a reverencing of the person, uh, right. not just not just an honoring and reverencing of God, so that we understand that the person that we're working with is made in the image and likeness of God, that he has all this ontological goodness and beauty, you know, right. and uh, and is and is beloved by God. So you know, so that makes it easier to obey, right? If people have experiences of that benevolence and that reverence and that love coming through, that gentleness coming through, um, mm-hmm. man, it's it makes a huge difference. And we do generalize these things from whatever we experience in the human realm right mm-hmm. into the right into the spiritual realm. You know, yeah. so so it. it's not just it's not just how we encourage obedience because right. you can get outward compliance from right. children by scaring them, they will usually be compliant until they get, you know, a, a hormone, you know, into a hormone, hormone fueled adolescence, in which case, boom, you'll get rebellion. Right. right. Um, so, so it really does matter how we raise our kids. And I've got some regrets about, especially how I raised my, my oldest three, there was, 
you know, my, my oldest one sometimes still refers to herself because we've talked about this as the practice child, you know, where we're, she was kind of breaking in parents as far as like how we actually kind of worked with her. So, you know, fortunately, we've had some opportunities to talk about that as adults and do some repair and stuff like that around that. But, but yeah, it is, it is, it has a huge impact. So, yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, when I was early married, I don't know where I got it exactly, but I, I, I took the disposition, not all the time, but sometimes <laughs> to see my wife as another as a Christ, like to see Christ mm-hmm. in her, and it did change the way I related to her. I think overall, and I don't know where I got that. I feel like all married couples should kind of try to take that perspective. And and now, of course, I don't know if it's the beard because it's getting longer each week. <laughs> but one of the things that we do in the Byzantine church, right, the deacon does, normally it's the deacon, and he goes around with the incense, right? And he goes around the church to all of the icons, you know, all the icons, and he does the incense because the icon is an image into heaven that is representing whoever that saint is, if it's Our Lady or if it's some saint. And so when he does that, it's like he's saying, I see the image of God. I'm seeing a window into heaven. I'm seeing the image of God in that saint. And he he reverences it with the incense. And then after he does that, he turns around to the people and he bows and he reverences them. Because he says you all the people are an icon, right? That representative uh, of an image of God, right, in His midst, and then we then bow to Him as a sign that He is too. And I just think that is so beautiful. It just says it's reminding us that no matter how imperfect we are on the outside, you know, we're all we all have to reverence each other for who God created us to be. And we call we draw that out of the person, right? Right. When you see your children as images of God, you treat them that way. They will, in a way, live up to that. And when we don't, of course, trouble happens, right? Trouble happens, right? And that's why the disciplining and the the state of mind in the disciplining and that being mm-hmm. infused with love and gentleness. And so, um, I haven't been perfect with this, but at one point, you know, I made the decision to not discipline in anger, right? To not impose a punishment in anger because you can fall into very easily fall into uh, discharging aggression against your children. And if there's one person apart from your spouse that can get under your skin and activate you in all kinds of ways and cause all kinds of psychological churning, there's nobody that can do that like a child of yours, like your son, like your daughter. Um, you know, so, so it is hard. It is really hard uh, for parents, I think, especially when you're, you know, there's all kinds of stresses going on and, you know, we're in a tough family life right now with, you know, kids home that ordinarily wouldn't be home necessarily, you know, adult kids coming back or college kids that are, you know, you know, that have been sent back, you know, from their colleges or universities. I mean, this is a tough time and there's lots of pressures, a lot of unknown, a lot of uncertainty, and there can be a lot of building up of things. So to, to really be careful about how we discipline, you know, can really foster obedience from younger kids and then the cooperation from your older kids. Right. Um, So, yeah, I'm, I'm an empty nester, but I do, (laughs) 
flashbacks of in the morning trying to get the kids to school because <laughs> somebody's late and forgot this, forgot that, and I'm just like stressed and not being my better self. Yeah, I can think, I can think of other examples. I think it's, <laughs> it's just this humbling, hopefully humbling experience where we then learn how to forgive our own parents. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's the, I tell you, it was so much easier when I had theoretical children, when I had no right. actual children, but I only had theoretical children and I had lots of plans, you know, about right. how they would, you know, turn out and so forth. Yeah, yeah. Armed with psychological knowledge and developmental psychology and, you know, all kinds of things. And yeah, it's a whole different world. So. Well, you know, St. Saint, Saint Catherine of Siena uh, had a vision in which she was taken up to heaven and um and she was you know she was taken to a room full of all kinds of crosses and um and she wanted the biggest cross and our lord said no that that was reserved for the uh for the parents of large families so <laughs> yeah so so you know i admire i admire uh those that take on that are open to life take on uh large you know you know are open to life and take on the children that come to them given by god it is it can be extremely difficult especially in the modern uh in the modern times that we're in right now with all this coronavirus right. stuff so uh you know what and i'm about i was thinking to myself i want to give that the psychological elements here and get to how do we identify our kind of comforter and helper and i don't think we did our little plug because i just want to take one second here to do a quick yeah. little plug for things that are going on in souls and hearts so if you're here and you're especially if you're new to souls and hearts uh, we really need you to do a couple of things. We need you to subscribe if you haven't subscribed. We need you to share if you haven't shared. Share to people, you know, share to people our material that you think would help people. Because this is, we're doing this uh, to make a difference and to bring psychological insight that is integrated with Catholic faith to people. And we think it's important, but we need your help to do that. So please subscribe, please share, please spread the word. Uh, we have so many cool things happening right now. We have this amazing uh, podcast program that Dr. Peter is doing called, called Coronavirus Crisis Carpe Diem. It's a weekly uh, show, and he's bringing in Dr. Andrew uh, in there as well as others. He's, he's doing amazing things. Please check that out. There's a new program, Be Call with Dr. Mark Glafke. Uh, this is If you're a 20-something-year-old, you're not sure your vocation, you're trying to get your life together, you want to work on issues like anxiety, depression, pornography use, substance abuse use, any of these struggles that a lot of young people have, or a lot of people have, um, please check out the Be Called um, Discovering Your Vacation course. There's the Be True course. If your marriage is struggling uh, because of the pornography presence and you're needing to, 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 to get out of addiction and to restore your marriage, this is an ideal course for you. And we've got a How to Find a Therapist course as well which is a free course that helps you to find a therapist. And there's nothing else like it uh, where you can find a great Catholic therapist through this program. So I ran through it really quickly. We're offering tons of material. To help there's a people. lot more. We've got weekly blogs and all that. We're not going to take your time to go through that now, but go to the homepage, soulsandhearts.com, right at the top there. There's a place where you can put your name and your email address, submit that, and then we can get you on a regular weekly email list and you can get all the updates as they come up. Because we've got new stuff coming out four or five days a week so it's uh and and so we want you to be able to have, have the benefit of all of that and be able to stay in touch with you so yeah yeah, yeah. 
and we're open to hearing stuff. So please share your comments too. All right, we want to get to our our main thrust here because because we've right. been on a few little, little interesting little. Uh, <laughs> but the the real question I wanted to get at is this issue of obedience because nobody likes the thought of having to be obedient, and right. so I wanted to get at what is the real reason to be obedient, and the real reason to be obedient is because our God is a good God who loves us, knows us better than anyone, and wants our good. And our God has something in store for us. We don't always know why we're on this earth, right? And I think that um, what we've, we probably can figure out is that we have a purpose. We have a, a mission. We have something to accomplish while we're here. God's going to love us even if we don't fulfill our mission perfectly. But hey, we want to try. <laughs> if we're in relationship with him, we want to discover what it is. And so um, I wanted to pause on this word paraclete that's where, where I think it's been uh, translated as advocate or it's translated in different ways, sometimes comforter. Um, but I, I actually... Or helper. In other words, God is sending the Holy Spirit to help us. And it's so fascinating in the other passage, right, where we see with Acts, we see Philip, who, by the way, is Philip the Evangelist, not Philip the Apostle. It took me a while to figure that out. They're two different guys. Anyway, we won't have to get into that. But where Philip, you know, he, baptized, he preaches and they've been baptized, but they still need the Spirit. And that's what right. John and Peter and so this is the spirit that's being referred to in the Gospel of John. And he and, and this helper, paraclete, comforter, the word comforter is fascinating to me because when I hear comforter, I think somebody might go, oh, there you go. You're, you'll feel better. That's nice. You know, this kind of like gentle, like, oh, yeah, you know. Uh, but in fact, if you look at the word now, because I speak French and I never thought of this before. But we have the word F-O-R-T in there, come fort, fort, fa, which means strength. But in Latin, fortis, which relates to strength or bravery. And so the word comforter actually means to make someone strong, to make someone brave. And it encourages them. If you look at the word encourage, you have, uh, you know, we think of courage in a certain way, but courage and the word coeur. In French is heart. Heart. I think if you know Latin, you probably it's probably related to Latin too. So yeah. yeah, yeah. So this word encourager means to give someone heart, to give someone, and therefore uh, comforter is about giving someone strength and bravery. So the Holy Spirit isn't just to pat you on the back and say it's all going to be okay. Sure, you may do that, but it's going to do way more because it's going to it's going to bolster you and give you strength and enlighten your heart and inspire your heart and move you forward. And so, of course, my geeky mind goes right to things like knights. And I think of like the the the, the, the classic knights, right? Like who are on horseback and all that. And we've kind of lost our sense of that. But but I love these guys and 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 the, the good holy ones at least. And they're, you know, they are on a holy mission. The paladins or the holy knights. They, they have their, you know, they've got their armor on and everything else. And their job is to save the maidens, whatever, to fight the dragons. But they have a code of honor. 
they are obedient to their king. They have a holy king. Not all cases in Europe, you know, medieval society, of course, have holy kings. But if you had a holy king who was good and he sent you on a mission to do something good and to fight a dragon and save the people, you had a cause. And if you had a helper, then you had the whole, you may have the Holy Spirit to guide you and support you. Right? And so to me, this is exciting. Right? And so I'm obedient to my king because I have this amazing cause that I believe in. I know I'm getting kind of fiery here, but it's like we've lost this in our lives. I don't think we think this way anymore. I, I was thinking, okay, how do I relate it to modern geekiness? I was thinking Han Solo was a great example. Okay, I know, I know. Because Han Solo, <laughs> he's alone. But of course, that's not how where he stays. He was a mess. He was a brigand or whatever he was. He was a, um, you know, a, he was an illegal trader and stuff. So he was alone. He was not doing so well. Now, he has Chewbacca, who's a helper. All right, now, you know, you could say, I don't know about... If Chewbacca and Holy Spirit, I don't know that anybody's ever like that. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Run with it. (laughs) Thank you. And then he had, once he discovered, you know, that he had to fight alongside the Rebel Alliance, he had a cause. He was fighting for freedom. And when you think about biblical characters like Moses, right, once he was no longer alone, he was joined with the people, God gave him Aaron to help him be the speaker because he couldn't speak well and all that. And he had a cause, which was to bring the Israelites out of slavery. So to me, we need that. We need to have a sense that we're not alone. And this gospel says, I will send you the Holy Spirit. I will send you so that you have a helper. You don't have to do it alone. He will comfort you. He will console you. He will give you advice. He will bear witness for you. He will plead your cause. He will encourage you. He will help you cope better. Which is, to me, amazing that we're not left alone. We have a giant task that's hard. And we're called, as it says in St. Peter, to be intelligent and to do with love and reverence and gentleness. But, and we need to do that way. We shouldn't be arrogant and, you know, belligerent. But we, we, we're not alone either. So to me, this is so exciting because, okay, okay, now I'm going to link this. I know I'm talking a lot, but I'm going to link this. <laughs> You're on a roll, Dr. Jerry. Do it. What's that? You're on a roll. I want to, roll. I want to link it to modern psychology. I love modern psychology, of course, but I have some beefs here and there. And the dominant type of psychology. And one I actually drive from lots of times. So I'm not bashing it wholesale. But the dominant type of psychology that exists is cognitive behavior therapy. That is used by, I would say, probably the majority of counselors and therapists and so on. They're out there. Okay. And that's fine. And there's so many amazing tools with this. So it's not all a problem. But here's, I want to point this problem out. And I'm dying to hear Dr. Peter's take. On, on on my little thought here. All okay. right. What you have to do in cognitive behavior therapy is you have to ch- figure out what do you believe, right? Like you have some problem where you're emotionally disturbed, right? But you have to figure out what do you believe and is it and how does it inform your thoughts, which therefore informs your emotions. So if I believe that I'm a piece of crap and then my thought is that, you know, and I have thoughts around that. Oh, I do everything wrong. I do blah, blah, blah. Therefore, I'm going to feel miserable. I'm going to feel sad. I'm going to feel 
angry, whatever it is. But if I challenge the belief that I'm a piece of crap, then I might think, think better thoughts and then I'm going to feel better. So that's how it generally works, which is generally okay. But I want to challenge it this way. If I have bad thoughts, feelings, and beliefs, all right, that I use, um, that, that I get addressed, right, um, that I use when I don't, okay, wait, okay, I'm going to rephrase this. Um, I might have bad thoughts, feelings, and beliefs, all right, and then I don't do good things, okay, whatever my okay. bad things are, you can name anything, all right. All right, then I tell myself that they're good anyway. Mm. I justify my bad behavior and I convince myself that those things are good anyway. All right? So, but I don't really believe that deep down either. Okay. That's what's going on. And I'm not saying that's what normally goes on in CBT, right? Because I don't think that's the typical thing, but I think that can happen, and then it isn't going to work, right? Because I, if I'm not fighting for a good, right? In other words, if I am doing things that are problematic in my life, and I just feel bad about them, and then I use a therapy to justify my own, to avoid feeling bad about my own behaviors, then I'm not doing myself any good at all so here's my problem my problem is i do good things sometimes to avoid feeling bad about myself also right so then my motivation is so even after cbt i might be going well i don't want to feel bad i don't want to feel shame i don't i want to feel all these bad things so i'm going to avoid the negative i'm going to do good things because i don't want to feel like a piece of crap i don't want to be the guy or the gal who does that out there, even if maybe I want to, I'm not going to because the consequence is going to be that I'm going to feel like a piece of crap. All right. And I feel like that won't work over time. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually have to feel um, that I do good things because I'm fighting for love. I'm fighting for the good. I want love to triumph in the world, right? Which is essentially what the whole gospel of John is about. I mean, I think that's what John is saying is like, God is love. God loves Jesus. Jesus loves God. Jesus loves us. Jesus wants us to be in love with God. He wants us to love one another. Like it's all about love triumphing in the world. And so we actually, you know, live and fight for love what a cause that is. So I'm not obeying God. I'm not going to just follow the commandments like it says in this reading um, because I'm afraid that I'm going to feel bad about myself later and need CBT therapy. <laughs> I, I, am, I am doing good because I know the Father is good. And I know that what he wants is goodness for me. And I want to fight for goodness in the world. All right. So that's my little rant. What do you think? Wow. Well, I mean, yeah, there's a lot. There's obviously a lot there. Um, So you're talking about a hierarchy of motives, right? Our highest motive being to love God because he's good and because he is who he is. 
he is love himself. There's a whole lot of other motives that include, you know, avoiding feeling bad about ourselves. Totally get that. In psychodynamic uh, psychotherapy, we have this defense called compensation. And in compensation, you uh, you are compensating for a deficit or a perceived inadequacy or real inadequacy in some area by becoming like super proficient in some other area. So you're kind of like describing that compensatory dynamic, right? I feel like a piece of crap. So I'm going to become very busy with some uh, social service, you know, outreach. I'm going to get really active in, um, in the food pantry or things like that. You see that a lot. I mean, some of the most driven people, you know, Ooh. who are extremely active in some of these ministries, like you get below the surface a little bit and you start to see how insecure they really are. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not to condemn doing those kind of ministries, not at all. But there's lots of reasons that we can do service types things. Right. And not all of those reasons are um are pure. Some of them are really about self-protection. Right. The person who doesn't want to feel like a piece of crap is doing good things to protect himself, to protect himself. It's really kind of self-absorbed, um, right. and that's better than like stealing cars or vandalizing buildings or things like that in order to deal with your sense of you know uh, inadequacy or whatever. Right. But we really need to take a look at like why we do the things that we do. And so what you're talking about is great because yeah, CBT is not a depth psychology. I would not consider it a depth psychology. It doesn't focus a lot on the unconscious. It just kind of takes a look at what are irrational thoughts. I'm interested in why we have those thoughts, right? So I, I'm not going to get caught much into defending CBT. I think there's some good things about it. And again, I think people that that do CBT do it in a, in a zillion different ways. And some of them are really relational. Some of them are really depth oriented, you know, so a lot of times, you know, CBT is really, you know, a label that doesn't just to beat up. Yeah. 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 But I think, I think that's one of the issues with CBT is that we don't always know what's rational or irrational just by CBT. You've got to look at what persons really believe about that. So, so, but I would totally agree with you that we need to get to the root. And when you get to the root, it's always about love. Any disorder, any sin, what is it? It's a problem in love. It's an effect of, of there not being love or, or it's caused by there not being love. That's the definition of sin. Sin is just anti-love. Right. I mean, that's all it is. It's, it's just anti-love or it's anti-relationship, right? It's a breaking of relationship or a damaging relationship. So you can take all of this back down. And what you were talking about um, brings us right into the realm of relationship. Right. And one of our one of the relational factors, a primary one between us and God is obedience. God isn't he's not going to meet us halfway. It's not like we're going to get into this negotiation session with God, you know, and, you know, he gives a little and we give a little. Sometimes God will do that, actually, but not because our ideas are better. He'll like grant us certain things that we want to show us that they're actually not the best things. Right. And it's best for us to see that. So if we're really smart or if we're really focused on what's best for us, we're going to mm-hmm. obey because there is no better plan than the one that our Heavenly Father has for us in his, mm-hmm. his immense love. But you know what? That is so hard for people <laughs> to get to. That is so hard. It's not like I sit from some elevated place above the rest of humanity and say, yes, I get this. You know, I struggle with this. 
right. ongoing basis, ongoing basis. So, you know, if you're thinking to yourself, oh, man, this is really hard to get to. And these, you know, these guys are talking about stuff that's beyond my reach. Hey, you know, I'm with you. I'm struggling with you, too, on a regular basis. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's hard. I mean, thank you for saying that. And I think most of the time when we disobey uh, God, if you will, we think we're looking for something that's a benefit to us, like our right. perceived benefit. Right. And it's usually false. Like it's, it is always, if it's disobeying God, it's always an illusion or it's always false or it's always misleading or limited in some way it comes with negative consequences. So even we, if it's a good, it's a lesser good than what God would have wanted for us. Mm-hmm. Right. So even if we're pursuing an objective good, it's still not what God wanted for us because he wanted to give us something better. Than that, right you know and it's hard to challenge those sometimes because we get stuck and 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 that requires a lot of discernment prayer and even good psychology good therapy will help us maybe even to figure that out or identify that to recognize because otherwise there's always going to be a dissonance between i know my values and i know what i believe as a christian right and yet i have these i think it's a perceived benefit but it's actually harming me and there's a there's a in CBD terms there would be a cognitive dissonance of some kind is is present that that can inform us that uh, something's not right, right? But I loved the psychoanalytic approach to it. Yeah, <laughs> it's one lot. way that we would look at it psychoanalytically. Yeah, yeah. And from a parts perspective, you would see you know conflict among parts, parts that want to obey and parts that don't want to obey. You know, and that's yeah. really common too, right? We get split yeah. on those things, right? So. Okay. Yeah. Well, listen. Thanks to 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 this discussion, which I've enjoyed and and everything and and getting into it. But we are already. I could go on and on. To be honest, yeah, we got to be careful, right? right. <laughs> so I do want to, and right. like I think we can all identify that ideally the Holy Spirit is our advocate, our helper, our comforter, our encourager. Um. And, and I think we need to notice that more and, 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 and reflect on that, allow the Holy Spirit to truly be that for us. And, and I think we need to have a good prayer time to be able to get there. Do we have any other helpers, right? So who's your Chewbacca? <laughs> who's supporting you and doing it in a good way, <laughs> right? And so um, who's that helper do we have in our lives? And what is your cause? And how are you living it out? And so... You know, I gave the really big cause, which I think all Christians should own, which is our cause should be the triumph of love, right? Yeah. Love as in God is love, right? Right. So, but that's pretty big. And that's why we have all these religious orders with all these different charisms, because they all live that out in some way in their right. lives. Some way, right? right. So how do we live it out in our lives? What is a specific way that um, I'm going to fight for something that is good that is fighting for something that is about love and therefore about God. And so I'm just going to, you know, my action item this week is who's your helper. What's my cause. What's your cause. Yeah. Cause it's got to yeah. be boiled down somehow. That could be your vocation. I mean, right. for me, uh, you know, for us together, it's this whole souls and hearts endeavor. I mean, this is like, sometimes this feels very quixotic, very, you know, kind of, you know, to dream the impossible dream kind of thing to actually make this thing happen. So it could be something like that as well, you know? Right. No, but I mean, I think for souls and hearts, we really want to bring good psychological elements that, that align well with the faith 
together with the faith in a way that people can receive into their lives. Right. In a way that's practical and helpful and useful and digestible. So that's what we're trying to do. And that's, you know, and that's, that's, and that's where a huge gap is. There's a huge disconnect between psychology and a Catholic worldview. Mm. I mean, it's really big. And it's one of those things where we should have that Catholic and we should be able to have both, you know? And um, so, well, this has been really good. Thank you, Dr. Jerry. This is like, yeah, bringing it to us, bringing us in contact with our helper you know, our, uh, our Chewbacca <laughs> and, uh, and then to, uh, to be being, to be, um, to be focusing on the cause. I just started reading the Lord of the Rings again, by the way. And, um, yeah, and it's really helpful, you know, because you see those helpers, right. And you see, you see the cause, right. And sometimes there's a lot of things that are not clear and it's really hard for those four hobbits, you know, starting out as they leave, as they leave the Shire, which is kind of where I am right now. So it's really my favorite book of all time. I think it's my favorite book of all time. It's you can see back here if anybody. <laughs> I think the movies were extremely well done, but there's nothing like the books. They're just yeah. absolutely um, moving, and I just love the way all those different characters are Christ figures at different times in the story. Right. In, in well, the- I read it. I read it in little bits when I need to get reoriented towards the towards the love and towards the goal like it motivates me so i will sometimes read it three four times a day sometimes only three four five minutes like if i need to like get reoriented so i thought you would appreciate that my wife and i have been reading it to each other back and forth so on her honeymoon (laughs) she had never read the hobbit of the lord of the rings so i read her the hobbit and then when we got back we, we started on the lord of the rings right now she's currently reading to me the lord of the rings and we're actually in the return of the king but this is several times over that we've done this. Right, right. Um, well, and I, each time. I read the whole series to my kids too, uh, yeah. to my kids when they were younger, and they just loved it. It took it took us almost a year to get through okay. the whole thing. So, yeah. yeah. So, All, right. All right, Peter. Good to talk to you. Good we'll to see talk you, to you next time. And to everybody listening, thank you for joining us, and we really appreciate you. And we love to hear your comments, thoughts. We've been getting lots of good, great comments. Uh, yep. Go to the website. There's ways to submit, um, you know, off the website. If you've got a comment or whatever, let us know. And uh, or you can also get a hold of us at uh, at um, what's the email address for this one? Uh, you can email soulsandhearts.com. OK, yeah. Oh, and Hey, I have it. We have an Instagram account, Souls and Hearts one, which I've been managing. And we have a Twitter. We've had that for a little longer. So if you're a social media person, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram now. So come look at stuff there. (laughs) Until next time, be still. Believe. Be loved. Be loved. Take good care. God bless you all.